Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Two, nay, three of our main sports have wrapped up. Thank goodness they were able to wrap up, that being the NHL, the NBA with our Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA Finals. Don't worry, listeners, we'll get off the basketball. It's been a couple shows straight through of Lakers talk. Deal with it, okay? We're still very excited, but we'll move on. Major League Baseball, the latest to wrap up with the World Series being won by the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's an exciting time to get to talk about baseball. Exciting for me over here. I'm 31 today. It's my birthday. I'm recently in a new apartment, so this show is the inaugural episode from the new digs. You guys might hear a train go by at some point if I'm talking, and Pascag Valley is running per schedule, so we'll see if you guys could hear that. But exciting times around the show, exciting times for our favorite sport, and we're looking forward to getting into some baseball talk, at least to start the show, before we get into the pigskin way of life. I hit your birthday. Big John Tiny Lund, my man, turns Dave Winfield. 31 today. Couldn't be happier for you. New NBA champion, LA Lakers. New MLB World Series champion. Los Angeles Dodgers for the first time since 1988. New crib for you. And see if we can finish it off with the quadruple header, a new president in five days. How you doing, my man? Everything cool? Moved in? Like the crib? All set up? Ready to run the show from the Absolutely palatial new estate with you and your beautiful gal. That's it. Moved uh, in. Uh, my, my fellow barrister, your beautiful girlfriend. It's a going from a, a molehill to a mansion from our other place. We can now both comfortably work from home instead of being right on top of each other. There's space to dance. There's space to move around. There's space to stand in a corridor and talk. It's absolutely fantastic. Hopefully the neighbors enjoy the show if they can hear my voice carrying throughout the evening. And we'll go from there. Hopefully I won't get as amped up to scare them over some of the issues we'll be talking about today. But I can't promise anything, especially getting into the wrap-up of the World Series in Major League Baseball, which happened last night. Glad you're unpacked. Best of luck in the new apartment. I appreciate it. And hope you have a great rest of the birthday uh, and a great birthday weekend. And... Obviously, let's get right to what was, I thought, a really solid World Series. Not a record-shattering World Series, not an all-time World Series, but considering where we were just a few months ago, not knowing whether or not we would have baseball, with yours truly ready to never go back again, as I threatened, 
if this commissioner could not come to an agreement and give us some semblance of a season. We got a shortened season, shorter than we both wanted, of 60 games. But we got a very interesting, although predictable, I would say, playoffs in most of the rounds with the extra teams went quick with most of the uh, all home fields uh, for the teams that had the better records. And then into the bubbles, we went, we had some sweeps, uh, which actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise because we didn't have to stretch those series out to five games. It got us to the world series quicker. And lo and behold, uh, we got it done just in time because Justin Turner obviously tested positive. Those results during game six out of the game. He comes, we'll get to what happened after the game, but I think it was only fitting that the season ends the way it starts in the midst of a pandemic, which is now growing again, like wildfire. And just when you thought we were safe with baseball and out of it, we got the season in and the postseason completed before midnight, i.e. before the pumpkin turned into a coach. Couldn't have said it better. Last night for Major yeah, League Baseball. Yeah, I could have baseball. said it better. I could have gotten it right. I said I should have said before the coach turned into a pumpkin. I got it past backwards, but that's just me. And, and they, 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 they dodged the bullet is the bottom line. And so it, it, it left its stamp even on the postseason at the very, very end. Yeah, unfortunately, that became the storyline after really right after it happened, right after the Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series for the first time in 32 years. The celebration is marred, at least from the viewers. I'm not sure how much the team might have known what was happening behind the scenes. But for us at home, you're wondering, well, what are all these? Where are all these answers for the questions that we now have? And it went from a two-second celebration of them winning a World Series to what is happening with one of the star players on the Los Angeles Dodgers. So on one hand, we'll start with the excitement for L.A. I mean, this is the best month in their sports history. It's never happened before because it couldn't. Now you have the Lakers and the Dodgers both winning in the same month. I mean, set the town ablaze. Just do it safely, wear a mask, social distance. But for them to put a cap on a season where they're the favorites and they've been the favorites for years. Al, this isn't the first time that the Dodgers have come into our well-being. three out of the last four years, making the world series. They've almost been expected to get this done. And every year there's been something that's happened that has prevented them from doing it. Whether it's a choke, whether it's just baseball in general being such a fickle game in itself, where sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way, whether it's Clayton Kershaw's playoff record, which he flipped the bird at all of us for in the World Series for two performances that he had on the mound. They haven't been able to get it done, and in a way, they they became kind of a joke in a sense. When they make the postseason, you were just kind of always waiting for this stacked, money-paid team to find a way to falter and to lose. And it was a storyline that haunted them every single year. And in a year where it was the most crazy season that we've had, as you've been saying this whole time, the world has an asterisk. They put all that aside and go out and get the job done that they were expected to do and win the world series. Well, I think the biggest difference this year of the prior years is this year. They were clearly the best team with the best personnel 
with the deepest roster, uh, and they were far and away superior to the teams that went previously. Much more complete team, much more established team, much more concrete, regular, everyday lineup, much more versatile lineup, and a, a wonderful defensive team. And Dave Roberts doing a little bit more in terms of trusting his eyes, in terms of what he saw, and letting guys go. Trusting his gut, not being the automatic push-button guy that the Tampa manager was, which cost them any chance to get to a Game 7. It was refreshing to see. I, I didn't mention that part in the rant of what the Dodgers have had happened to them negatively over these past couple seasons. One of them was Dave Roberts maybe digging his head a little bit too deep into his binder and, and making incredibly curious decisions in these past World Series, benching hot guys because they were lefties, benching hot guys because they were righties. Even people that were MVP candidates stood no chance against Dave Roberts. If he liked the matchup, you were out, which in the World Series is something that I'm sure you'd agree with, and we're going to get into this right now. Sometimes you just have to go with your eyes as the train goes by for the first time in new report, old report history, mark the show tape folks. One thing that got immediately scrutinized rightly. So was the decision by Kevin cash to come out and take Blake Snell from the baseball game. Quote unquote, as they say in baseball, he was rolling was getting to the third time up in the lineup in the sixth inning, but had struck out the top three batters for the Dodgers both times he faced them. Now, I know the numbers say that Blake Snell, for the first time all season, was going to face the lineup for the third time he hadn't done it. Granted, you could argue that whenever you go to this year's regular season, a 60-game sample size isn't something you necessarily have to put all your eggs in one basket on because you're missing more than half of a normal season. I think, in my opinion... That's an example of where you have to ride your best pitcher for that day. If you're not going to do so, if you've made the decision, he's not going to face the lineup for the third time. You can't bring in Nick Anderson, who was entering the game, giving up a run in the six games previous to game six. Kevin Cash, after the game, said he's one of the best relievers in baseball, and that's why he went... Be that as it may, this is not the time where he was. He wasn't. Was far from it this whole season, actually. And he said after the game, the way this season went, the training, the weightlifting, he didn't feel comfortable where he usually is in that situation. But that's baseball. Everybody's not going to feel their best. We get it. But for that to be the answer of who you're going to go with in that situation, if you're going to take out Blake Snell, it can't be Nick Anderson. In Let's that harken spot. back. Let's harken back. Let's think back to what we just talked about. Remember how dominant Brandon Morrow was against the Astros? Throwing 198, an incredible slider, tight as a drum. Couldn't touch him. He got overused. And he was not ready to go against the Astros in that historic game in Houston, that game five. And Dave Roberts said he would not be available. 
And yet, Dave Roberts went to him and said, can you go? And of course, he said, I, I can get you a guy. I can go. Yep. And he came out, and his fastball, instead of in the high 90s, was 93, 94, 95. And he got rocked. Nick Anderson is gassed. He's shot. Stick a fork at him. He's done. Overused. Remember, this was a shortened season. They live on their bullpen. They live on Anderson. They live on Fairbanks. And they got worn out. They got worn out during the postseason. Giving up runs in six consecutive years. Look, every once in, we have we have cases of guys who pitch once-in-a-lifetime games. Are you going to take them out because it's their once-in-a-lifetime? I know Snell, five and a third, five and two-thirds, five and a third, five, 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 two, four, four and two-thirds, five and a third, five and two-thirds. He was Kofaxian. He was pitching like Sandy Kofax. Plain and simple. I saw Sandy Koufax. If you don't know what Sandy Koufax looked like, I swear to you, that's the way Snell was throwing. Mid to high 90s, a breaking ball that literally dropped off the table. Nose to toes, a hard slider. He was in control of all of them. He hung a curveball, which was a base hit. Earlier in the game to Taylor, left it up. And then Barnes who's a gutty hitter, who puts the ball in play, managed to push a fastball in the center field. Oh, well, Bond shouldn't get his. He's a 200 hitter. Well, 200 hitters get hits. And then he hits a bad aim, which would be zero. And if Snow was a perfect pitcher, he'd never give up a run or a hit, nor would anybody. He didn't just do his job. He was doing the job. And you prevented him from continuing to do his job. His job was to go until the tank was empty. He was on a low pitch count. He had them eating out of his hand. They were defenseless from the left side. And Mookie Betts, as great as he is, had awful numbers against lefties this year. Much better numbers against righties. He looked like he couldn't even pick the ball up. He made Seager look silly. He blew the ball by Turner the first time. Second time, he swung at a breaking ball. five feet in front of the plate. Those are the guys who were coming up. So if he's got a perfect game going, 18 up, 18 down, going to the top, do you take him out? Do you take him out? Because they're time through the order? After 18 guys and a perfect game? I'm lost. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. And you bring in a guy who has not been able to stop the bleeding. And I'm not talking about coming in with inherited runners. He comes in in clean games and gives up runs. And the second he comes out of that game, you know damn well that Dodger bench picks up. They're bright-eyed, but because remember, they're only down a run. They're not down four nothing, three nothing, five. They're down one nothing. I'm watching a game with my son, and I said, you know, all you got to do here is, is keep this thing. Not all you got to do it. If you can keep it at one nothing, you know, you got a shot. You got a real shot because best case scenario, he goes. You figure he goes seven. Well, you got two innings to get to their bullpen, which they've gotten to. So the key is not for the Dodgers to score. The key is to keep the tail from scoring. And the Dodger bullpen was off the charts. Now, I couldn't believe that Dave Roberts took Woods out. Alex Wood was fabulous. He was the guy I was calling for on MLB Network when I said to the host, 
I'm Dave Roberts before game six, and I'm going to Alex Wood, and I'm saying, you're my guy tonight. Be ready. Because you know Gosselin's not going long, and he's like lingering death. I mean, can you imagine playing behind him? Every at-bat takes 10 minutes. He's never ahead of the hitters. I said to my son, I go, is this guy ever ahead? It's the same old story. It's 2-0. It's 3-1. 15 foul balls. He nuts his around. He takes forever to throw the ball with the, the, the half turn, the squat, the pump fake, the little swivel. Hips throw the goddamn ball. He's literally like lingering death. You can't watch the guy pitch. It's unwatchable. Once he gets out of the game, boom. Alex Woods, give me the ball, boom, boom. He's throwing the ball in five seconds. Six up, six down. It's like, why is he coming out of the game? But he got six perfect outs from him, and he moved on. All fresh arms, all ready to rock. Would look like he could five innings. I disagree with taking him out, but it worked. But this, you didn't have an alternative that even approached what was out there. Nothing even close. Here's th- This is... It's not the fourth quarter. It's not the Super Bowl. It's not 30 seconds to go. But in terms of the lunacy, this is as bad as whoever on the Seahawks sideline decided to not give the ball to their star running back and throw on the goal line. That resulted in the interception that cost them the Super Bowl. This was as dumb, as moronic, as idiotic, as ass-night a decision as I have ever seen any baseball manager make. It was mindless. I don't care what the analytics say about where he was. Every once in a while, something different happens that breaks the pattern. Every professional athlete can have that night. The odds are always against it. That's why it's that night. They don't happen often. No hitters are rare. Perfect games are even more rare. They are against all odds. What he was doing may have been against all odds, but he was doing it. You have to give him the chance to continue to do it. Why? Because it's your best chance. He is your best option. And there is no second choice in that situation because neither Fairbanks nor neither Anderson has been able to go out there and not give up a run. I have gone out and played as a child. I've had one. I've been in the mud. I've rolled in the dirt. I've never been as filthy as Snell was in game six. You know what I would have liked to see? I liked seeing go. I liked the off fuck. All right. But I would have liked to seen him fight. I would have liked to have seen some John Lackey in him. John Lackey, who was known for, for saying, this, I, I got this guy, even when he was gassed, because he never wanted to come out of games. I would have loved to have seen Snell say, you got to let me stay in this game. You got to let me stay in this game. Mucina, guys from your generation, used, Jim Palmer used to do this all the time. Manager, get up on the step. You turn around and get back to where you're coming from. The, the, no the, look, the late, great, the late great Bob Gibson, forget it. McCarver wouldn't even go out and talk to him. McCarver told stories about how he said to go out the mountain and get there and get, see, get back behind the plane. What are you going to tell me? Get back there. Shandies wouldn't even go out. The old stories go. I know that, that that's the old report. But if you want to stay in the game that much, tell him. Tell him you're good. 
Tell him I got plenty left, Skip. I can get you this inning. I can get you this inning. Give me the chance. Well, it's the new report way, too. I mean, that's what I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see him have a little fight. We don't know if it would have worked, but when you first see Kevin we'll Cash going out there, you think, well, he must just be going out to ask him how he feels and maybe slow things down a little bit, which I don't know why you would. The guy's been cruising all game. Have him control his own pace, but we'll never know. It was a decision that actually you would expect the Dodgers to make in that spot. based well, off you, what you know, you know, my son plays college baseball. So I turned to him and I said, what are you guys doing in the dugout right now? If this is you guys, he goes, you kidding me? I, I, I mean, we're up, we're pumped. We're wide eyed. We're checking out the new, new arm. We got a shot. Okay. Cause, cause this guy's out. We it's can't Christmas touch morning. Him. We can't touch him. Because I've been, I've been, I've watched my son playing games like that, where they've been against the guy who was, you know, you know, his level four, low nineties, you know, then 16, 17 years old. Got to keep throwing low 90, 16, 17 years old with a nasty breaking ball. It's, 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 it's you know, it's a tough afternoon. And when that guy comes out of the game, like you said, it's, it's Christmas morning. We got a shot. High school, you get the pitch counts. Sometimes they work in your favor with an opposing pitcher doing that too. He's hitting 90, but you know, after he hits 45, since he pitched three days ago, they got to pull him. Those, them's the rules. This guy was throwing unbelievably, unbelievably. Dodger people said it was the best anyone has thrown against their team all season. All season. And because, I'm not even saying because he gave up a base hit, but because he got to the top of the order and the third look and the third time through, you're not even going to give him a chance to excel. Just, it, it, it it's so ridiculous. It boggles the mind because that was your best chance. You were dominating. He was nowhere near being out of gas. He was fresh. His fastball was live. His control was still terrific. His breaking ball was incredibly sharp. He had all three pitches working. It was it was stunning. It was shocking. And of course, immediately when Anderson fell behind 2-0, you know, fastball's coming and Betts just jumped it. It was baseball Absolutely. at its finest. I think it was six Absolutely. pitches. The game was over. The game was out of hand in the Dodgers' face. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It's not great, and it's not great when... You have to then defend like your Kevin decisions Cash. after the game. I like Kevin Cash. I think he's a good manager. But this was preposterous. It was asinine. It was beyond belief. Absolutely, positively mind-numbing. You eliminated your best chance to go to a game seven. The second you went out of that dugout with the mindset he's coming out of the game. And you get the argument from raised believers that this is what they've done all season. This is the analytical game they play. I mean, this has been the Rays since Joe Madden was the manager. These out-of-the-box 
type ways of thinking, the analytical gimmicky nonsense, smoke and mirrors, trying to get the upper hand any way you possibly can. But eventually you're going to have to ignore some of the numbers and watch the game. You're going to have to put the slot right. right, The the odds, the, the odds over the long haul work out. Obviously, that's what the numbers in the analytics tell you. And that's fine. That is a winning argument. But there are exceptions to every rule. We know that. We see the guys who've got losing records who once in a lifetime go and pitch a perfect game. What are the odds of them doing it? Astronomical, but they do it. Well, this guy's a good pitcher to boot. So the odds are much lower that he's going to go out and pitch a great game than somebody who's never pitched well in his life. This guy won the Cy Young two years ago. He's got the stuff. The question was, how long would the stuff last? Obviously, it was lasting longer tonight than we've seen it last. There is a chance for that to happen. It could be very small, but you eliminate that chance by taking him out of the game. The chances go from slim to none, and slim was your best chance. Because your trade-off was not a lights-out bullpen. Your trade-off was a gassed, used-up, spent bullpen that the Dodgers have seen night after night after night after night. And oh, by the way, remember, the insurance came off of Fairbanks, the other 100-mile-an-hour guy. So neither one of those guys got the job done. They looked out having that opportunity, and unfortunately, they didn't take advantage of it. And now you look at the team and say... Whereas the Dodgers, we expect to get back to this point. They could have, this Dodgers team could have had its own little dynasty going here if a couple balls bounced their way. You said why they didn't win, but if they had, this would have been quite the cement of a win for their franchise. But we expect them to be back. With the Rays, you have no idea. You have no idea because they're a team that shows up to the ballpark. Kevin Cash and the binder is going to just give you a formula of who's going to play that day. You might not play because there's a righty on the mound. The rain might be falling or the wind is blowing a certain way. And that's not good for you. If you hit from the left side, you have no idea who's going to play. You have a cast of characters that has to buy in this postseason. You had Randy Rosarina, the hottest hitter I've ever seen in my life, basically for this postseason. You thought he was going to hit a home run every time up, but the games you lose, your offense betrays you and does nothing. You lose game one, you score three runs. All right, the Dodgers scored eight. You're not going to win that game. You score two runs in game three. You score two runs in game five. You score one run in game six. The offense just fell flat. And a Dodgers team that's going to score three to four runs a game at least, you need to be able to keep up, and they weren't able to do it. Then you have one game where you finally shut the bats down and you hand it over to the bullpen in the way. Very confusing. But for the Dodgers, you tip your cap now to Clayton Kershaw, who gets one of the biggest monkeys in sports off of his back, winning a World Series ring. Dave Roberts, all is forgiven for his analytical decisions in the past. You tip your cap to our friend, Vin Scully, who got to experience this World Series. Christ, he's been around for just about all of them. (laughs) So... It was nice for him to get another one. No, he, ha- he has been around. He, he has been around. For uh, there you go. See, well, all the, all the, all the wins. 
all the wins. So there's good storylines to see. I, I'll just reiterate to get off of it that it wasn't a, the worst of things to be able to poke a little fun at the Los Angeles Dodgers when it came time for the postseason to roll around. But now they've undoubtedly would happen. They've shut everyone up. Last year was the choke job. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I think they were beaten by a, as good a team slash cheating team in the Astros clearly a better team in the Red Sox who hammered everybody. Remember, that was a brilliant postseason. They crushed the Astros. Uh, they, 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 they beat your team uh, badly. And they beat the Dodgers badly. They pitched well. They hit great. They played great defense. Every, you know, it, it was a season of a lifetime for the Red Sox. It was one of the best seasons the team has ever had. And last year they got. They spit the bit against Washington. They should have won that series. They didn't get it done. The addition of bats was the perfect fit, as I said before, for this team. And now I firmly believe, I said it before they won, and I will continue to say it. Now that they've finally gotten over the hump, I believe that you will see a late 90s, early 2000 Yankee-like run for this Dodger team. Yeah, watch out. Because you have to look at where they are. One, they're run by a brilliant team president, Andrew Friedman, who, remember, was the guy who ran the A's with no money. They have great player development. They have oodles and oodles and oodles of money to spend in terms of the viability of the franchise. But in terms of their salaries, they have oodles and oodles and oodles of money to spend. Clayton Kershaw and Mookie Betts are the only two players who make any money. That's it. They have tons of financial flexibility. They've got players coming up the wazoo. You didn't even see Gavin Lux on the postseason roster. Their prized second baseman, who may wind up playing third. Who knows? If they don't bring Turner back, which they probably won't. We'll get to that in a minute. Gavin Lux is one of the top-rated minor league players slash prospects in baseball. He's a hitting machine. So you got to see Kiki Hernandez and Taylor at second base. You've seen Urias. You've seen the big redhead Caratop, who, by the way, finally found himself and was lights out. He's going to be in the rotation next year. Urias is going to be in the rotation next year. And, oh, by the way, David Prince got to take the entire year off rest. In case you forgot, Clayton Kershaw's still pretty good. And then they've got an ace at the top of that rotation. They're going to be incredibly good for a very, very, very long time. And we didn't even bring up Cody Bellinger, MVP 24. Mookie Betts, MVP, right in his prime. Corey Seager. Oh, well, of course, he decides to leave a free agency, which I doubt. But if he does, well, then maybe we'll just go sign Lindor. Or maybe we'll sign Korea. Or maybe we'll sign Trevor Story. You think they're not going to have a star shortstop? The Los Angeles Dodgers folks are going to be dominating the airwaves in the NLCS and the World Series for years to come. This was the first. It took Clayton Kershaw a while, a while, but this won't be the last one. By no means. Yeah, we're at the point now. If you're an American League fan. Your team is in the American League. You're praying to God that someone knocks the Dodgers off before the World Series comes. Exactly. There's no That's question exactly about right. That. Well said. Well, the big storyline of the night, 
ended up not being the Dodgers winning the World Series. Maybe because it was somewhat expected against the Tampa Bay Rays. But the storyline ends up becoming what you said in the beginning of the show. The state of our country bleeding into professional sports. An oasis that came back to us. A bubble that was afforded to us in the NBA. A bubble afforded to us in the NHL. Completing their seasons. Baseball implementing a, I put up my fingers in quotes, bubble for the postseason. Trying to move the teams to resorts and hotels so they only are traveling once and twice, even though they're around family. It's still not as egregious as it would be if they were just going home. In the seventh inning or so, Justin Turner gets pulled from the game. And... Some questions arise, but with the way analytics are, as you've heard us talk about this entire show, you don't really think much of it. It's strange that they'd pull him from the game and we can't really find him, but okay, maybe they must have a reason to do it. Whether it's defense, even though he's a great third baseman at third base defender, maybe uh, who knows? Who knows what the reasoning is, but he's out of the game. We're still concentrating on the Dodgers wrapping this up. No problem. After the game, Fox reports he was removed from the game because it was found he tested positive for coronavirus. So immediately the red flags go up across the sports world as they should. How? Why? When? What? We know who. (laughs) So the answers start trickling out as the World Series celebration is happening. We're finding out that The test that he took the previous day was found to be inconclusive. Now, by the way, for this testing, which I still find absolutely preposterous, apparently the MLB is testing their players every day, thankfully for the postseason, at least for the World Series. Then they send the tests to a facility to get them the results. The facilities in Utah, the games are being played in Texas. Now, I don't think this COVID-19 coronavirus jumped out at us or surprised us in any way. I'm pretty sure we've known this was happening since, oh, I don't know, early March. You're telling me that there's no other place you can go to get these test results back? You can't look ahead and say, well, we're going to have the World Series in Texas. We better make sure there's somewhere to get these test results back instead of having to take them across the country, across time zones to get these test results back. But how egregious and stupid that is besides the point. So for Tuesday's tests on game six, they decide to speed his test up. Now, I don't know how they do this. Like you jump it to the front of the line. I have no idea how this works, but they they start panicking and we got to get the results. So get it out from the bottom of the pile and let's see what it says. That test result comes back positive. So in the second inning, they find out test number one was inconclusive. We're going to get test number two. We find out it is positive. He gets taken out of the game and told to isolate. Remember that the protocol was, under the rules, the agreed upon between MLB, Players Association, et cetera, et cetera. The protocol was inconclusive, you get to play. Right. So it was not, you know, inconclusive, you're supposed to come out. Inconclusive, you go into isolation. Inconclusive, you still get to play. So the Dodgers did everything they were supposed to do. 
When he says came back positive, they immediately took him out of the game. Right. And they told him to isolate. So yeah, after I don't game, know what isolation was. I don't either. I don't what, know where it was. What do you go to the clubhouse? Is there is there the jail? The tent? Is there a jail there? Was, you know, under armed guards? I have no idea. But Old they got him out tank. of the game. And, and there's people telling uh, people calling you. Well, you got to stop the game right there. Why? Where does it stop the game right there? It, it's it's the seventh inning of Game Six of the World Series. He's already exposed, been exposed to everybody. What is stopping the game without him in it going to accomplish? The same group of players that have been out there the whole game are still out there. So what is stopping the game going to accomplish? Right. They're not running up into the seats. They're not going out to spread it anywhere else. It's the same group. So what do we accomplish by stopping the game? He's been in third base for six games. Umpires have been around him. Players have been around him. Teammates have been around him. We don't know when he got it, where he got it, how he got it, who he got it from. So what is stopping the game going to accomplish? Let's go test everybody. I'm not an infectious disease expert, but I don't think anybody's dying in a half hour right, or an hour. Everyone was negative. That's ass night. It wouldn't have made sense based on what they knew then when it was just Justin Turner. So they do the right thing and tell him that he needs to, as we said, isolate whatever that means, wherever that is. So the game ends and we start getting post game sound via ESPN, via Fox. And of course the anchors are all asking the players what they know about Justin Turner. The first thing Dave Roberts says to Fox is it's something that he can't speak on. It's going to come out soon enough. You guys will know, but we had to take him out of the game. Well, you could easily put two and two together if, if you thought hard enough about it, what the problem was, but he, I guess, couldn't say anything at the time. Players are talking about, he deserves to be out here. He's our rock. He's our guy. I would trade places with him. He deserves to be out here. I wish he was out here. Okay. Rob Manfred has to come out and say that he has the positive test. Rob Manfred, by the way, I was trying to find a a solution to this because when he was giving the MVP award to Corey Seager, he sounded drunk, incredibly drunk. And my thought was, well, the commissioner of baseball is probably not drinking heavily during the game six of the world series, knowing he's going to have to come out and address the crowd. Now, maybe he's doing it because he knows the 11,000 plus there are going to boo him to no end deserved, but I don't think he would be drinking. Apparently he has a, a speech impediment that he works on similar to along the lines of what Joe Biden does when he gives his speeches and whatever he uses to kind of rectify the situation while he speaks just went out the window and he was slurring and drunken sounding, but no reports of him being drunk. It was just an unfortunate, fortunate circumstance. My son said the same exact thing. So the same exact thing. I think he just got spooked. He got booed. He was on a big stage having to announce probably the worst news you could give at that moment next to a death. And it's the bright lights were bright and Hey, it, it, it happens. It affects people. Wasn't drunk from what, what we've uh, read and seen, but he announces it to everyone. So now it's going through like wildfire. Then Justin Turner tweets, Something along the lines of, I'm fine. I'm asymptomatic. I feel great. I wish I could be out there with my teammates. We won. I'm so happy, et cetera, et cetera. A couple minutes later, 
I'm watching SportsCenter. Kenny Mayne is saying how unfortunate it is that Justin Turner can't be out on the field celebrating with his teammates. Meanwhile, a live camera feed of the highlight is showing him in the dugout hugging his teammates after the game. He is back in the dugout, and shortly thereafter, he's back on the field. He completely ignored and decided to disobey any suggestion that he isolated. He wanted to be out there with his teammates. He wanted encouraged, the pictures. Encouraged by his teammates. Oh, of course. They, another side they, of this is the they, team. They, people have said the teammates weren't going to let him not be able to come out. They would have grabbed him and pulled him out there I by know. his shoes. Yep. So yep. he's out there for the team picture, sitting next to Dave Roberts, no mask, so they could smile big for the camera. Dave Roberts, a cancer Lim survivor, sitting two Lim feet away. Former survivor. Lim yep. He's Lim got survivor. the World Series trophy, touching that. He's kissing his wife. He's all over the field like nothing's wrong. Now, there's one side of this argument that says, what's the problem? They were tested all day, all week. He just happened to get it. It's a once in a lifetime moment. It's something he should be able to experience with his team. He's one of the rocks of the team. He's the backbone. He's the heart of the Dodgers. It, without him, they don't win this, et cetera, et cetera. Let the man have his moment. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And remember, this is the guy who said to the about the commissioner, this guy says it's just a hunk of metal. This is the guy who said this, this so-called hunk of metal is why these guys are here. And the only Showing problem with the hunk of metal is that the word commissioner is engraved underneath. That, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's how much he means to this team as a hard worker and a leader and a role model, a guy who was barely a major leaguer released by the Mets and turned himself into a player, the likes of which we couldn't have begun to imagine hitting third for the world champions in Los Angeles Dodgers the bedrock of that lineup for the last five years, four years, excuse me, uh, probably five, but right in the middle of that lineup last year of his contract. So you're in the position where your teammates may have said to you literally, dude, 19 fucking 88, get your ass out here. You take your mat. We don't give a shit. Get out here. So what do you do? I'm not saying he did the right thing. I'm just saying, what would you do? After all the time, after all the effort, after all the hard work, the sweat, the blood, the tears, the heartbreak, with this group, you being basically their leader, and they are calling you out for the first world championship for the franchise, since 1988, a historic franchise that has been on the brink. And you are, remember, a free agent. This could well be your last game as a Dodger. This could be your last time with them. I'm being honest. 
if I'm his teammate and I'm nowhere in that environment, I'm here right now in this time, in this place, and I'm not a major league. I played sports, never passed the high school level, experienced titles as, as a coach of little league teams, nothing remotely resembling that. But if I'm a teammate, fuck it, I want him out there with me. If that's been my leader, if that's been my role model, get the hell out here. I'll risk it. We've been out here all this time together. We've been here together. We started together. We're finishing together. I'd want him out there with me. Hate to say it, it's wrong from a health perspective. It's dead wrong. Nobody understands the virus. I was better than me, but I, I have great understanding of it. I lost my mom to it. I know how brutal it is. I know how vicious it is. I know it's a killer. In that time, in that place, in that moment, I'd want him out there. Yeah. You could completely understand it, especially because of the way testing is and the way athletes just regard themselves as humans in the best shape of a one percentage of the world. Athletes will be fine. It'll be fast. We work so hard, etc. The two counters, the first one, the obvious one of from a fan sitting at home standpoint, it's one of the worst optical looks you could have for a sport given the state of the country to have one of your players knowingly defy what you suggested and knowingly defy what you know to be wrong, go out onto the field, not just all the way down in right field, say near the follow pole and, and everybody comes by in waves or you lock yourself in Corey Seager's new Chevy Silverado, roll up the windows and maybe drive around the infield a couple times touching the trophy, kissing your wife, being around family members of the team who were on the field celebrating. It's not just the players that were out there. You've got family members, coaches, older people, and he's fraternizing with the whole gamut. So there's the terrible optics on one end. And the other argument is people wanting major league baseball to maybe have done more to avoid the situation altogether. Now, I don't know what more they could have done aside from the stern warning that they gave him and the response to his actions, which basically put all the onus on him while a desire to celebrate is understandable. This was from the press release. Turner's decision to leave isolation and enter the field was wrong and put everyone he came in contact with at risk. When MLB security raised the matter of being on the field with Turner, he emphatically refused to comply. So they tested all the players afterward, and apparently the Dodgers were able to go home. I'm not sure if Turner went with them. I think he might have had to stay back in Texas, but they tested everybody. Everybody went home. The argument is that MLB baseball should have found a way, MLB baseball, the MLB should have found a way to get him out of there, similar to what you would do with say a, 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 an injury of sorts where you have to leave the field on an ambulance and you're immediately taken to the hospital, whether they have a bus waiting outside 
where the bus driver gets out. He goes all the way into the back. They drive to the hotel. They sanitize everything, and he has to isolate there. But immediately remove him from the premises as quick as you can so this sort of thing can't even happen because he's gone. He's on FaceTime in the locker room with the boys. I don't know whether or not the MLB should be looked at to have done something as severe as they did if just telling him to stay away was something that they thought was going to work. It's just unfortunate that the situation happens the night that it does. And it's hard to not be a baseball fan, a casual fan, anyone that's not on the Dodgers team, as you said, and look at Justin Turner and think, yeah, I get it. It's what the hell are you doing? Not, I understand why you did it. It it was tough. It was tough to see. And it's, we'll see if there's any ramifications. Thankfully, the day after we haven't heard anything as far as positive tests or anybody else getting impacted to now. It was a rough look for baseball on a night when it should have just been a complete celebration. Somehow, some way, they navigated as a group, as a whole, these teams navigated their way through with minimal positive tests after that. You had some exciting playoff games. You had two seven-game LCSs with history almost being made for the second time in one as the Astros came back from three zip to force a seventh game. Anyway, history being made probably the seventh time with the Dodgers coming back from three, one. How soon we forget this dominant team on the verge of extinction down three, one. And then you had a world series between the two best teams, best record nationally, best record numerically, the way it's supposed to be. On polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Rich man, poor man. And it was an entertaining word here. Despite the fact that the, the Rays are the hitless wonders. Despite the fact that their offense consists of strikeout, 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 walk, home run. Strikeout, 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 walk, single, strikeout, home run. Steal a run here, steal a run there. Randy Razorana, you do the rest. And to his credit, a couple of big home runs from Lawhead and off of postseason. But he had a couple of big home runs. Now we get ready for an offseason. Dodgers are what they were supposed to be, the world champions. Whether or not the Rays will continue to be what they are, well, we know what they're going to be in terms of finances. And we know they're going to continue to focus on analytics because that's the way they do it. That's what they thrive on. Um, and we know they won't be hurt in the coming year by loss of revenues because they only get 89000 to begin with. So when baseball starts and they're allowed to put 25% capacity, that's full house for them. We got much more than I thought we were going to get. So I am pretty pleased in terms of what I got from baseball versus where I was beginning of July and what I thought we were going to get. We made it is all we can say. We made it. We made what this was. This, barely. This thrown to barely. barely. Who knows what would have happened if we had to go to a game seven. We made whatever this thrown together season was 60 games down from what was going to be 120 plus we want to play hashtag. We want to play, let the boys play, blah, blah, blah. We get on the field. And as you said, we end up with the two best teams from this shortened season, squaring off in a world series. that goes six games. If you're going to write that on paper and say, this is what you ended up with after all that. And it's the historic Dodgers that do so and win the world series. You have to tip your cap and say it was a successful season. 
We cross our fingers for next season. God knows where we'll be as a country because currently it's not great. It's getting worse. And in a couple days from now, when you hear this, it could be getting great or it could be getting worse as well. Well, we're hoping that the next program we have, uh, we will have ushered in, uh, at least for the purposes of election results, a new president. With that note, it is time to close this program with the election prediction. We are prognosticators here. We predict results of sporting events. Uh, we talk politics at times. So all of you out there, you will hear this program before the election. I don't want it to affect your vote. I want you to vote. That's the most important thing is you exercise your right to vote. Not because I want you to, but because the Biden campaign says, because the current president doesn't want you to vote. Get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, if you're an independent, no matter what you are, get out there and vote. The AWP prediction is as follows. The unimportant popular vote, which means nothing in terms of who we're going to elect, will go to Joe Biden by a plus five percentile. 5146, 5247, however you want to count it. And the all important electoral college. I like even numbers. So the number will be 100. The final results in electoral college votes for the future President Joe Biden, 319. For the soon to be former President Donald Trump, 219. 100 is your plus or minus. Joe Biden, by at least 100 electoral votes, that's based upon him winning Florida, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and I'm giving North Carolina to Donald Trump. I'm giving Texas to Donald Trump. Uh, And I've also got Joe Biden winning the important state of Arizona. So to me, the big turn states for him will be Arizona, Florida, Pennsylvania. Those will be the the three states that will determine not just the win, but the breadth of the win. And he may win North Carolina. Uh, But that would make it a wrap. That would make it a wrap. It's going to be a wrap anyway uh, in terms of the electoral votes, electoral college. I think 100 uh, is a sound win. And that's what you're going to see when the dust settles. It may not be Tuesday night. It may be Wednesday. It may be Thursday. But uh, there will be at least a 100 electoral college vote win by future President Biden. All I need is more blue than red, Al. I don't care about what the final numbers end up being. Just paint that map a little bit more blue than red and get us over where we need to be. And we'll be a lot happier when we record next week's program because we will be on the road to the return of democracy we will take our form of government as it was originally structured as it was originally planned with separation of powers the three branches of government checks and balances upon each other and the world will recognize the fact that we still have the ability to choose our leaders properly and the respect and the dignity to the office of the presidency will be restored because it has lost its luster. It has been blemished. And in the last four years, it has been disgraced. It's time to indeed 
take back America. It's time indeed to recapture democracy. And that is what I trust America to do as a whole, as a country, that they've been doing, and they will finish the job on Tuesday. And we'll be on the road to once again talking football with you people. NFL, college, you name it, we'll have it next time. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. You have a great rest of your birthday. Good luck with the new joint. Glad you all moved in and ready to rock on your various programs for Sirius XM Radio. Folks, for my partner, the birthday boy, 31 today, the great John Tiny Lund. I am El Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Have a great and healthy sports week. And everybody, get out and exercise your right to vote. Take care, everybody. Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.